0: Yes, I'm here in person. (laughs) Um, The reading is taken from the epistle to John, 1 John, chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jean. It was not like last week were you, or the week before you had to read two chapters. Dan is good to us. Dan, welcome to um, the book with this morning.
1: Um, Dan is the uh, pastor of the Pacific Paradise Church. He, many, many mango seasons ago, he used to minister
0: here. I mean, the mangoes that were made into chutney then, the chutney has, the, the used by day has gone, hasn't it? When was this? How many years ago? Uh, it was uh, 2005. 2005. Oh, right. I was, I was in the kid back then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you, uh, Denz. Thanks for the greeting. Great to be here again and uh, to minister with you and uh, share the, the word of God. How good it is to have the word of God, the living word of God that's vibrant, that keeps us strong. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword and this is the word of god that we have today so study it read it believe it hide it in your heart as the psalmist says that we may not sin against you dear friends i bring you greetings from your sister church over the river in uh, pacific paradise slash majimba just near the airport so um pop skip, and a jump and you're there so um Verena, my wife couldn't Uh, make it today and going back to the 2005 2006 our kids were pretty young then and um I was just thinking of the kids coming up and they used to be out the front doing all that nice singing as well speaking of uh, children and young students I teach um young students every week and um I asked them just recently, not long ago, uh, we, the lesson was about God, our Heavenly Father. I said, okay, young people, tell me, what's God like? What is our Heavenly Father like? What do you think? And they're humming and harring. I said, okay, let's have a look. only Divide you the two teams, and we're going to go through the alphabet. So let's begin. First letter of the alphabet, A, what's God like? um awesome very good okay one point for you okay b beautiful yes he is beautiful he's awesome he's beautiful what about c compassionate yes our god is compassionate d he's delightful yes he is delightful he E. he is exciting yes he is exciting god is exciting he's not boring he's not bland I mean, look at his wonderful creation, everything that God created. is so wonderful. It's so beautiful. The world changes all the time. What about F? He's fantastic. And G, he's good. And so we went through the alphabet. And then I asked them the question, why? Why is God awesome? Why is he beautiful? Why is he compassionate? Why is he delightful? Why is he exciting? Etc. Well, let's speak to that God and ask him to open our eyes of understanding that we might behold deep and wondrous things out of his word. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you today, we pray that you would open our ears that we may hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We pray that you may open our eyes, that we may behold deep and wondrous things out of your word, and open our hearts, that we might receive the good seed, that it may germinate and bring forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundredfold, because we ask it in Jesus' precious name and for his sake, amen. just three verses but there's so much in these three verses we could keep talking and talking and talking about them so I'm just going to bring out a few points but as I studied this passage I thought about the wonder of our heavenly father he is wonderful go back to the book of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and his name shall be called wonderful who's wonderful Jesus is wonderful he's our wonderful God and notice it begins and I use the authorised version because when we arrived from Switzerland as a little kid dad put a King James Version Bible in front of me at the to start learning the the read the bible in the king james english back to 1611 and i am thinking whoa what is this what's this i beseech you therefore brethren and, and what are these words could make it a tailor but you know what i just thank god that uh, he did ingrain that into me because i love i love that king james version the shakespeare remember shakespeare at school i love that shakespearean flow it There's something special about it. Resonates for me anyway. So John writes, Behold, and this is an aorist imperative in Greek grammar. So an aorist imperative, if you like, we could paraphrase it like this. Stop what you're doing right now and ponder this. Check this out. This is amazing. This is wonderful. Behold, aorist imperative. What manner? And the Greek word there speaks of something that is foreign. Foreign. Reminds me of when we left Switzerland at the age of four years old, when we left Switzerland, and we took the train from Central Station in Zurich, and we went to Rotterdam, and there we took the ship and sailed all the way to this wonderful country we call the Land of Oz or down, under, or whatever, I still call Australia my home. I mean, I love Switzerland. I love going back to Switzerland, the Swiss Alps and the yodeling and the, and the Swiss chocolate and the Schwarzwalde Torte, which is black forest cake and the Swiss cheeses. And oh, I love all that stuff. That's good. But I still call Australia my home. And when we are on the ship, I remember as a, as a little boy, and all these kids from all these other different nationalities, and they're all speaking other language. And I'm thinking, oh, what's that? And from Italy, and, and from Spain, and from all these other um, uh, countries. And it was so foreign to me. And then we arrived here in Australia... And then they spoke another different language. And I met some of these Aussies, you know, I'm a fair dinkum, dinky, dry, true blue walker Aussie, mate. I thought, what, what, are the, what, what's that? And here I am speaking Swiss German to them and they're speaking Aus, Aus, Aussie to me and I couldn't understand a word. They didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know what they were saying. Foreigners, behold what foreign, if you like, love, agape love. This is God's selfless, sacrificial love. His love for you, for God so loved the world. Agape, God's love. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the sons of God or the children of God. Peter writes... For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people, his own special people, that you should proclaim the praises of him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light, which in time past were not a people, but you are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. First Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10. You're a special people. That's who you are. And that's wonderful. That is an absolute wonderful truth. That we are the children of God. God's love. He's agape love. And love is always active. It's not passive. God's agape love isn't passive. It is active. It is doing. God is doing the loving. And He loved you and I before we loved Him. True? He did. He loved you before we ever loved Him. How good is God? He bestowed that he should bestow upon us this, that he has conferred this, he has conferred this upon us. It is wonderful. As I was studying this passage, I couldn't get my mind away from the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son? He left home, he went his own way, did his own thing, wasted his substance with riotous living, and then we read that when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough? And here am I. I'm perishing with hunger. I'm in the pigsty. What am I doing here? And he thought back home. This is what I will do. I will go home. I will say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of my, your hired servants. And that's what he did he went back home and his father saw him from afar and what did his father do? He ran out to meet him, didn't he? And threw his arms around him and kept on repeatedly kissing him. And what did he then do? Said, you rascal, you've ripped me off my inheritance You're just such a wicked young man. No. He then told the servants, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and bring out the fatted calf and let us kill it and eat it and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began. To be merry, they began to be joyful, to be happy, to be excited, to have a party. That's our God. He's the one that confers upon us the robe of righteousness because there is nothing that we can do in order to please God. Nothing whatsoever. It's all a work of grace. And we just sang Amazing Grace, didn't we? It says it all. That we should be called the sons of ...or the children of God. That is wonderful. God did it all for us. So who are those who are born of God? Verse 29 in the preceding chapter tells it... ...that these are the ones who are practicing righteousness. And if we go down to verse 9 of this same chapter in 1 John chapter 3... ...we read that whosoever is born of God does not commit sin... For his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. What does that mean? Does that mean, wow, when you become a Christian, you, not, you don't sin anymore, like sinless perfection? No. Of course we still do. But you know what makes the difference between a child of God and a child of the devil, a child of the world who doesn't know God? Oh, yes, they can know about God because the bible says that the demons they believe in god but they tremble no the difference is it's like a sheep jesus said that you are my sheep and my sheep hear my voice and what do they do they follow me so if a sheep falls into a pit what's it going to do wallow in the mud and the mire and enjoy that the whole day no the sheep will struggle to get out. Why? Because its nature is not to be there in the mud. It wants to go out. It wants to graze on the nice juicy green grass and drink from the streams. And that's the difference between a child of God, we are his sheep. Yes, we can fall into sin and we do fall into sin, but we do no longer practice sin. It doesn't characterize us who we are because we're new people. We are children of God. God has done this wonderful work in us. And that's why we are different. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 19, if you were of this world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of this world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Ever thought about that? Why is it that people don't like me? I used to have a lot of friends out in the world one time. But when I became a Christian, what happened? I said, we don't want to be with you anymore. All you talk about is this Jesus and you go to church and you read this book, the Bible, and man, I've read this once and I can't make it a tale of what it means. And why is that? Well, because First Corinthians chapter 2, 14, the natural man or the sensuous man, the man who is of the world, if you like, cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. So that's why, that's the difference. With your friends, they think, you're loony, you're off this planet. And praise God for that, because you see, this uh, this is the demarcation line, the line of delineation between the world and us. They don't know who you are anymore, because you're a foreigner. Yes, a foreigner to them. They do not understand, me no comprehend, or who you are. You are a child of God. You've been born into the family of God. So how are we born into the family of God? Well, Jesus met a very, very religious man one time by the name of Nicodemus. And... Nicodemus said, we know that you're a teacher come from God because no man can do these miracles that you are doing unless God is with him. And Jesus goes straight to the chase and says, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus answered and said, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, You must be born Again, and he still didn't get it. So then Jesus gives him an illustration of the wind, Nicodemus. The wind blows where it wills. You hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell from where it is coming from or where it is going to. Even so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You see, the wind, the Spirit comes, and we can't control the wind. I can say, today, I want a bit of a windy day. Tomorrow, I don't want to wind it no? We're not in control of the wind. God is. He's in control of everything. He's in control of your heartbeat right now. God's in control of that. You're not. He's in control of everything. Every little cell that you have in your body. God is in control of that. For in him we live and move and have our being. He's the one. That has done everything. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. How wonderful that we should be called the children of God. I remember as a little child in Sydney when we attended a church, mum got up to sing a song. And the lyrics are beautiful. Beautiful. I thought of that song when I was preparing this message. I am a stranger here within a foreign land. My home is far away upon a golden strand. Ambassador to be my realm beyond the sea. I'm here on business for my king. This is the message that I bring, a message angels fain would sing. O be ye reconciled to God. Thus saith my Lord and King, O be ye reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God in and through his Son, Jesus Christ. For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Does that truth arrest you with wonder, awe, and praise? As we go on, verse 2. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, or knows us not, because it knew him not. The world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, and where are we? We are the sons of God, and it shall not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he does appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The wonderer of of Christ's return. He's coming back. It's wonderful, that wonderful day of his return. So John is writing of who we are, what we are, The relationship that we have with him and God has begotten us into his family. We're born into his family, into the family of God. And now John highlights the return of Jesus Christ. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he's coming back, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. That's wonderful. What a profound truth. Do you know that over 300 times in the New Testament alone, the return of Jesus Christ is mentioned over 300 times? That's an astounding fact. Jesus is coming back. Do you believe that? Would you like Jesus Christ to come back today? Or would you think, well, hang on. No, I'm still a bit too young yet. I've got a lot of growing up to do. Um, and I want to make a lot of money, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. Does the return of the Lord grip you and excite you? Friends, the best is yet to come. Whether you're young or older or whatever, the best is yet to come. Jesus Christ is coming back. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. It's a mystery. We don't exactly know what we shall be like. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 12, For now we see through a mirror dimly, but then face to face. He's coming back and we shall see him. Paul says in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord wherefore comfort one another with these words wow I'm looking forward to that day I hope it is today that's going to be fantastic wonderful to think that we're going to be taken out of this world do you remember what Jesus said to his disciples when they were so troubled and Jesus said I'm leaving you where I'm going you cannot come well Where are you going? And Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. That's wonderful. He's coming back. He's coming back. It's not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a legend. It's biblical truth. Jesus is coming back. He's been. He came as a little baby into this world. He grew up gave his life as a ransom for many, that he will return, not as meek and mild baby Jesus, but he's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords in, in power as the judge of the nations. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be. We don't quite know what it's going to be like, but we do know it's going to be wonderful. Absolutely wonderful, and Paul says in First uh, Corinthians 15, from 51: "Behold, I show you a mystery: We shall not all sleep, so we're not all going to die." Doesn't mean, uh, boys and girls, that, Jesus, that about the sleeping, like you go to sleep at night. No, it's not that at all. It's death. We shall not all die. So there's going to be a generation alive that will not see death when the Lord returns, but we shall be changed. And then he goes on to say, for this corruptible, so this body here is decaying, we're getting older, must put on incorruption, and this mortal, our body that will die and is dying, must put on immortalities. When this corruptible is put on incorruption and this mortal is put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one to 58. It's not in vain in the Lord. Whatever you're doing for God, keep your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Beautiful little chorus, isn't it? We sing from time to time. So the best is yet to come. Why worry? Are you and I worried and concerned about so many things? I remember as a kid in Sunday school, we used to sing a chorus. Why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus, he'll be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Rest fully on his promise. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray. Don't worry. Trust Jesus. Give it to him in prayer. So who's who's ready? who's waiting, who's excited for the great return of the Lord Jesus Christ because there are going to be a lot of people on the Day of Judgment. But hang on, I'm a religious person. I went to church. I went to Grace Christian Church. I went to Christian Community Church. I've been a good Presbyterian all my life. I've been baptized. I've been confirmed. I've become an elder. I've been thus, that, ah, da, 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 rattle off all these things that they've done I have and God will say I don't know who you are but 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 hang on something's not right now I thought I was good enough you should accept me I spoke to someone recently said that you should God should accept accept me because of all the good things that I've done And so I had to take him to the scriptures and say that we're saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. It is not not of works, lest anyone should boast or brag about it. This is a gift of God. Salvation is a gift of God. As somebody else might say, well, God, I was at church once, but the, the minister there, the preacher just raved on and on and on and put me to sleep. And God might say, did you know what? That minister had something there to say to you that was just tailored and geared for you and you shut your ears to it. You didn't want to listen. You did not want to listen. The Lord, I've always been doing the right thing. I'm a good guy. Hey, God, I've got Christian parents. My parents were Christian, and not only that, God, but my grandparents were as well. Well, that doesn't matter, does it? In God's kingdom, it doesn't matter whether your great-grandparents or you go back as far as you like were Christian. You're not born Christian into this world. We're born sinners into this world because the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there is none righteous, no, not one. But may we, may we like the Apostle Paul at the end of his life, just before the time when he went to uh, the execution block, was able to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I've kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid down for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 7 to 8. All those who love his appearing. May you and I say that on that day. And say it from the heart, from the heart, just as Paul did. Thirdly, the wonder of our sanctification. You might think, now, why is this sanctification so wonderful? Why is it sanctification wonderful? And I'll tell you why, because I believe this is what the Bible said. You see, God is working in our sanctification. He's working in our sanctification. Sanctification means to be set apart for God. Sanctification is that work, that progressive work of of growing in the likeness of God and who he is. Now, in our own strength, once again, we can't make ourselves more sanctified and more holy. You know, we hear that holier than thou. Well, we can't do that. But this is a work of God in us. Through whom? Through the agent of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit who bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, the spirit that Jesus said in um, John chapter 14, verse 16, and I will pray to the Father and he will send you another comforter, the parakletos in the Greek, the one summoned to our side. He will guide and lead you into all the truth. He will show you all these things. He's the comforter. He's the one who will help you and empower you. So John points in verse 1 to our calling. In verse 2, he emphasizes Christ's coming. And in verse 3, he stresses our consecration. And every one John writes that has this hope in him. What hope? What hope? You know your hope? So young people, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for Christmas? New bike? Um, a lot of money? Uh, well, what are you hoping for? I hope that I'm going to be. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I hope I get that job. I hope for this. I hope for that. I hope I get better health. I hope I can enrol into that university. I hope I can do this, I hope I can do this. This is not the hope that John is writing about here. This is a solid hope. This is the sure hope that we have. This is the blessed hope that Titus speaks of in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, where he says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the hope that you and I have. The hope that is sure, steadfast, like an anchor of the soul that the author of Hebrews speaks of. It's a blessed hope. And in that blessed hope, there is the work of sanctification or consecration that you and I as God's people are working at. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul writes, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it's the working out of that that we already have, but it's God doing the work in and through our lives. And that is wonderful. But where's our focus? We need to be focused on the word of God in order for all these things to happen. It's not just going to happen while you just think, okay, God, I'm just going to sit back and take it easy and I, you're going to do all the work. No. Paul writes to Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And you've got to learn. You can learn. Like I remember when I was in the army, the Australian army and the Swiss army, it meant you had to get up early in the morning and you had to learn how to salute and follow orders and instruction and learn the hardship in the cold country, Switzerland, many degrees below zero, and here in Australia, out in the bush and, the, and, and doing a lot of things. It's a tough life, but it's good for you. It makes you strong and resilient and shapes and molds you into the person that that you are supposed to be. So, you can be equipped and ready to face the enemy. And, friends, you and I are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but the Bible says against principalities and powers, spiritual rulers, and all these, these other um, wars that, that uh, correction battles that so you and I are facing. Jesus has won the war. We've got battles. So, where's our focus? We don't look on the earthly things. Our focus is on the spiritual. But God is so good. And guess what? Every day, God deposits into your account and mine 86,400 precious seconds. 24 hours in a day, 86,400 seconds God deposits into your account every day. Okay, what are we doing with those? Do you know what? We're going to be held accountable for, for those 86,400 seconds. Are we using it, investing it for God? Or are we just wasting it? How many people do you know that just exist? Maybe you're sitting here today and you know what? You're saying, Pastor, you know what? I'm just existing. I'm not living. Jesus Christ doesn't excite me. He should, but he doesn't. I'm just merely existing. How many people are like that? Today, God can make the difference in your life. Whether you're young or old or somewhere in between, it doesn't matter where, God can make the difference. It's no longer I that lives but Christ who lives in me. Michelangelo, the famous painter, sculptor, once had a huge piece of marble delivered to him. And he looked at it and he said, "My, this is such a beautiful piece of marble." And one guy standing nearby said but it's just a piece of marble and Michelangelo said no it's not because I see the statue of David in this marble you see it's in my mind you can't see it i see it and he went on to fashion from that piece of marble beautiful statue of David and dear friends you and I are all a work of progress God is doing the work in our lives he's chipping away at those rough edges if you like he's the potter and we are the clay and he's molding and fashioning us after his own image And I believe that's wonderful. One commentator puts it this way, there are three tenses in our salvation recorded here, the past, our regeneration, we are the children of God, our future tense, we know that when he does appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and present tense and everyone that has this hope in him or her purifies himself, herself, even as he he is pure maybe you're listening to this and you're saying, well, you know, I don't even know this Jesus you're talking about. Well, Nicodemus did neither. But if you go down to verse 14 in John chapter 3, Jesus gives Nicodemus a lesson in history where he said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life everlasting life everyone who was bitten by these poisonous serpent by these uh, venomous snakes in the desert and the wilderness as soon as they looked to the serpent the bronze serpent on the pole they were healed instantaneously and there's the link that Jesus draws to John 15 and 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look to him. Look to what he has done for us. It is wonderful. I'd like to close with the words of a beautiful old song written by a Jewish rabbi, Mir Ben Isaac Nehorai, back in the year 1096 AD in Germany. And then a Gentile by the name of F.M. Lehman added the chorus and a couple of stanzas. And this is a beautiful song. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. And here's the refrain. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints' and angels' song. When years of time shall pass away in earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who here refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure shall still endure all measureless and strong, redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints' and angels' song. And the last verse, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill and every man ascribed by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saint's and angel's song. Isn't that wonderful? Can I ask you, is your dad wonderful? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage of scripture. We thank you that you are wonderful. You're our loving dad. And you said, we can call you Abba, Father, or Daddy, Dad. Thank you for the personal relationship that we have with you. And Father, if there's anybody here, that does not yet know you. We pray that they would not rest until they rest in the arms of the one who died for them. We thank you and praise you for who you are, for what you've done, what you're doing, what you're about to do. You truly are a wonderful God. Thank you, Lord, for adopting us into your family of God. We are the children of God. Thank you for this wonderful family of boys and girls and men and women of all different nationalities and races. We praise you and thank you that you are building your church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against us. So as we go out to face again this new week, Father, give us the strength to be the people of God that you've called us to be, that we can point others to our wonderful dad who gave his life for his people. Because we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.